Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's been an honor, really, to speak, and it is still an honor to speak with uh, Anna Lyubikova. She's a journalist who covered Ukraine and Belarus for Radio Free Europe. She's a non-resident fellow of the Atlantic Council. She's reporting to us from Vilnius in Lithuania. And, uh, you know, the Baltic countries have some significant concern about what Putin may have planned for them. They, of course, are members of the European Union, so we'd see what NATO would do. Hannah, how are you? Hello, good evening. Uh, well, um, I mean, I think we are all really focused and uh, really observe the situation in Ukraine. So it's really hard to say how I feel, uh, but it's definitely uh, a lot of um, frustration and a lot of, I think, uh, worries about the Ukrainian people who um, who are under fire, literally, from Russia, from the Russian army. Many of them today tried to evacuate, but then there were there was still shelling, um, and people could not leave their cities safely, and some of them died. So these are some of these, you know, bad and really. Um, uh, worrying news from from Ukraine, and I think that's something that we all should focus on and all should um, observe and uh, help Ukraine, because that's where now the future, in a way, of our continent, Europe, is being decided. Yeah, I mean, I've been following you on Twitter, and I've been retweeting some of your tweets, some of your, your videos. It's at Hannah Lyubakova, and what we're seeing on Twitter is deeply concerning. And now suddenly we hear from Mr. Putin. That if Ukraine just agrees to all of his demands, he'll stop the war. How's that going to be received? I think this is not something that Ukrainians would ever agree to. Because what, what, what Putin wants from Ukraine is capitulation. It's basically uh, Ukraine becoming um, some sort of part of Russia. And that's something that Putin has been saying for years. So we should not be surprised by his demands because he for years denied Ukraine sovereignty and independence, saying that this country um, does not, um, it's not worth to, to, to be an independent country. And basically he tries to write history. Uh, he tried to show Ukraine as um, the, the, the kind of the country that has always been part of Russia. So we should not be surprised by that. He would not stop by Ukraine. He never stopped after Crimea. He never stopped after eastern parts of Ukraine became occupied and uh, in a state of permanent conflict. So now he wants literally to destroy the country, as we can see, because he destroys infrastructure. He destroys roads, um, some power plants, some uh, even railway system in the country. And the people, civilians, are being massively killed. In Ukraine, in Ukraine at the moment. It's a question to me, what can he achieve by doing so? Because there is already hatred towards uh, Russians in Ukraine, towards the Kremlin, towards Putin. So even if Ukraine falls, how would Putin be able to control dozens of millions of people who would still be in Ukraine? How would be he able to control the country, organize, uh, you know, taxpayer system, administrative control, and so on? So this, these are really um, uh, big questions now, but I think uh, he's not acting rationally and logically, and that's just something that he wants to do, just to destroy the country, because this is the country that does not love and wants Putin anymore. 
Right. And and there is considerable protest taking place in uh, in Russia. You've sent out video, and we can see the Russian uh, security forces taking people away who have the courage to step up and step out and say, we know they're going to come after us. They may arrest us. We may go to prison, but we feel this is really significantly important. So there's pushback in, in, in Russia. But, you know, I was looking at some of the uh, situation in Mariupol. The, the evacuation halted for a second straight day because Russians resumed shelling. So you have civilians trying to get out, and supposedly there's a safe corridor. And the Russians have done this several times now. Where they have they've they've started shelling on civilians mm-hmm. who have been told this is the way to get out of the country. This is the way he operates, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so I think this is the most striking, the most really terrible, horrendous to see. Like civilians trying to evacuate to safely leave, leave a city where there is no heating, no water, where hospitals are destroyed. Just imagine this level um, of humanitarian catastrophe there. This is a city that became really impossible to live in. So people are trying to leave and what they see, what they face with are constant shellings from the Russian army. How is it possible at all that the Russian army is just uh, hitting, just targeting civilians, peaceful citizens who are not guilty of anything, who, who never, I don't know, attacks Russia or the Kremlin. So this is something that I really um, cannot understand. And this also happened in other cities like Irpin in the Kiev region. So, so, so in some other cities, not only in Mariupol, right? So um, this has been happening. Russians uh, protested today in the nearly 30 cities uh, across the country. More than 3,500 people have been detained. Um, some of them were li- really brutally detained, beaten and uh, taken to police cars. Um, so it, it just all shows how the Kremlin and the authorities in Russia react to people who disagree with their politics. I know that many Russians are now leaving the country in fear of persecution. And Russia is becoming more and more similar to what to what Belarus has become in the past years because of Lukashenko. In Belarus, there is literally impossible to protest at all. It's impossible to have any activity in the country. And last Sunday, dozens of thousands of people were on the streets, but nearly 1,000 people have been detained. So it just shows us that even if people are against this war, this Russian invasion in Belarus or Russia, the leadership of those two countries would uh, repress those citizens and would silence th- them as much as possible. Yeah. Hannah, we have about a, a minute here. I'm, we've been hearing reports, and they've been coming in sporadically, but we've been hearing it for several days now, that in some cases, and in that massive convoy that's been stalled, that's the word that's been used over and over, stalled within maybe 15 kilometers or 15 miles uh, from Kiev. But we keep hearing that R- Russian soldiers have been destroying their own equipment. Uh, and are you hearing that? Uh, yes, there were indeed reports about that. And I would assume that uh, many soldiers are demoralized. Um, well, many of them apparently did not even know that they were sent to, to the war. Many of them thought that they, these were just uh, military exercises, like uh, the ones that happened between Belarus and Russia. So they were perhaps also deceived, and many of them could not believe that this would happen. Um, so yes, I would 
definitely believe that some of them would not want to attack Ukrainians because, again, these are neighboring countries. And many of our families uh, live in Ukraine or come from Russia. So we have these ties uh, between these three nations. And if something like this happens with Belarusians, if Belarusian soldiers are sent to Ukraine, I would imagine um, something like this happening as well, that Belarusian soldiers would not fight with Ukrainians and would not attack them and would uh, just leave the equipment and uh, uh, basically escape the army. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.